It's always such a blessing and an honor to get to come and share with you uh, these mornings. And thank you again, Pastor Scott, for sharing the pulpit as you do. And As we wrap up today, chapter 12 in Mark, as we continue in our uh, study, our series of the Gospel of Mark, we, we find ourselves seeing the fully God, fully man aspect of Jesus once again, as we see his omniscience, as he allows us to pull back the curtain and see into the hearts of the people, to see beyond what man can see with our own eyes and to understand better the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees, the rich and the widow. And understand just like we say about that heart of worship, where it is. And so as we jump in this morning, let's go back and we're going to read again in chapter 12, starting in verse 38 there, just about the scribes. This is the first place that he allows us to see. And so it says, in his teaching, verse 38, he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor and banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive the greater condemnation. And so we see uh, the, these accusations that Jesus makes against the scribes. And as we go and if we look at the parallel of this in Matthew, we see that Jesus takes it even further. The seven woes that he brings against the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And he opens our eyes to see even greater why he would call them out in this place. He says it's all about them. And their hearts are full of pride. They put on their long robes to show that when they go out in the marketplace, the people will see how they're dressed and know just how important they are and how well they are doing. And in the Matthew, it says they, they, they like to be greeted as rabbi, teacher, this position, greeted in the marketplaces. Don't forget who I am. And when they go to the parties to have the best seat, to not walk into the room and be surprised when they say, here, come and sit by the host. But instead, as they walk in to say, I assume this is my seat. Because I am a religious leader, and of course you would put me here. Remember who I am? When they come to the synagogue, of course I would have the best seat. For some of you, that may be the back row. For some of you, that might be the front row. I'm not sure. But of course I would have the best seat in the house. Look who I am. It's about me. In their hearts are not amazed every day that the gift that they've been given to be a religious leader, but are rather filled with pride because of the position they hold. And then there's this phrase in here where he says they, they devour the widow's house. You say, what, is that? what does that mean? Well, at this time, the, the religious leaders weren't, weren't paid by the church, but they, they were, they were uh, paid and supported by the generosity of the people. And so they would come into the houses of these widows who, who had very little themselves and, 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 and speak to them and, and convince them to give them everything. 
not for their good, but for, for the Pharisees. That they might have more. And devouring their households, devouring what they have. And then they offer these long prayers so that people will hear them pray and know just how holy they really are. Not praying for the people and for their good, but praying to impress. And Jesus peels back the actions of the men for the people to see the hearts behind them. And he says, these will have the greater judgment, the greater condemnation. And again, in that Matthew parallel, he says, you stand in the way of those who would enter into the kingdom. You yourselves would not be there, and you get in the way of those who would. You go across seas to, to make converts, but you make it worse for them. Strong words from a Savior. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're all pretty and nice, but inside you are full of death and dead bones. You're like a dirty plate or a dish. Wash the inside. And then worry about the out. Wash the inside and the cleanliness from within will begin to take care of the outside. These strong words from our Savior towards those religious leaders, allowing us to have an opportunity to see into their hearts. And then Mark transitions for us, and we find Jesus and the disciples sitting there in what was probably known as the women's court, which is as far as they could go into the temple. And there were 13 boxes there, the treasury. They were shaped like trumpets, and this is where the people would come and give their gifts. And it says the rich were there giving great gifts. And so, so just, just close your eyes with me for a minute. As the disciples sit back and they're watching and they're going, whoa, did you see that one? Did you see how much money he just gave? Did, did you hear the coins rattling around in the box as it, as it hit? And man, that guy used two hands. That landed with a thud. What a great gift. How much money are these guys giving? Wow. And then Jesus says, hey, Hey, did you see it? Did, did you catch it? Go over here. Over here. Did you see it? Yeah, the one guy, it was huge, right? It was, he's like, no, no, no. Did you see it? That one. That one right there. The widow who, who, who put in two copper coins. Did you see it? Why would our Savior press pause for a moment and bring them over to celebrate this one. Scripture tells us it was two bites, two copper coins about the, the worth of a penny. As you look at it in their day and time, it was about a quarter of a cent or, hang in there, one 128th of a day's wages. Not much. Today, they might be walking by dropping in $100 bills and she puts in a penny. Maybe a quarter. And he says, did you see it? See, no one in the room heard those coins hit, but heaven did. Did you see it? Jesus, why? Why, why that one? 
in the grand scheme of, of things, this, this money was supposed to be used to support those widows and to, and, to, and to do that work. Oftentimes it found its way back into the pockets of the religious leaders. But what could we do with two mites? It's not the question of what can we do, but what can the king of kings who owns the cattle on a thousand hills do with the gift of two mites? Amazing things. And he says, did you see it? The rich were giving out of their surplus. They were giving out of their extra. They felt nothing from it. They were giving big gifts and men were celebrating it. But the widow, her heart was a heart of devotion. Her gift was a gift of love. Did you see it? And he says, this gift was worth far more than any other gift given today. we look at that, we begin to hopefully understand a little bit more of where the scripture takes us. As one writer puts it, he said, there's three things that I see uh, in this story of, of the widow. God sees what man often overlooks. God's evaluation of a gift is different than man's. The two bites versus the great big gifts. And giving in faith is an act of worship, trusting the Father will provide. Because as we read here, it says the, 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 the widow gave her, her living wage. She gave all that she had. Not to just walk away and say, that's it! I'm done. I gave everything I've got. I'm going to go home and die. No, but to trust that the Father would meet her needs and provide. Now, some throughout history have abused this scripture, right? And have used it to try to convince people to give more. Support my ministry. The, the widow, she gave until it hurts. If you're not giving until it hurts, you're not giving enough. No, that is not what this scripture is about at all. The heart of the widow was to give to the father because she had a relationship. We begin to look at this. We begin to say, Jesus, you're allowing us to see the motivation and the heart of the Pharisees and the, and the scribes that theirs is all about them. It's about their pride. It's about, it's about their being seen as important and lining their own pockets and improving their place in this world. The rich giving, not because they feel led to, but because this is what we do. We put our gifts in there. We're not going to go over any extra. We won't really miss this money. Let's put it in. And the widow who says, this is all I've got. But you can have it all. And I believe you'll walk with me. The heart. So we begin to look at our own hearts. And as we think about that, see that God is looking at the intention of men. And I go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins to teach his people. And he's teaching about uh, uh, worry and these things. And he says, seek first 
the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. The relationship. Seek first the kingdom of God. And as we begin to do that ourselves, the first and foremost place that we must come is to the cross of Christ. Because the first and foremost gift of the kingdom of God is salvation. It entrance into that kingdom for all eternity. And so if you are in that place this morning and you have not taken that step to say, yes, Jesus, I believe, come and be Lord of my life. I believe in your sacrifice. Then that's where we begin. And we do the work that is necessary. If there are fears, we face them. If there are doubts, we fight with them and we struggle and we ask the questions. Because how can I seek the kingdom of God when I don't even know who he is? How can I have a relationship with him when sin is in the way? But that has been paid here. And so this is where we begin. And for some of us, perhaps we need to be reminded of the cross, the gift that was paid for us there, and that this opens the door for a relationship with the Father that we may begin to understand and seek first his kingdom. And our hearts may be found pursuing the Father. And as I think about this place for us, saying, God, first, let me seek after you. What would you have me to do? Again, I'm reminded of Jesus' teaching. And again, as he draws this contrast between uh, the, the scribes and the religious leaders, they do things for themselves. You know, He says, when you give, do it in secret. Some people give and they give and they give with great fanfare. Oh, look at what I've done. Aren't you guys proud of me? I gave the biggest gift. No. No. He says, in that moment of praise, they've received their just reward. He says, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. Now, sometimes people get to see the gifts that are given, yes. But it's not about, hey, pat me on the back for what I just did. It's about, yes, Father, thank you for the opportunity and give me the resources that I can give back into your kingdom. And he says, what the Father sees done in secret, he will reward. And again, he talks about uh, when you pray, don't be out there praying again as we even saw this uh, go against the scribes, praying so that all can hear and say, wow, did you hear them? They must be, woo. No. No, when you pray, go into your closet and with the same reverence and fervency that you prayed in front of a thousand, pray in front of one. And when you fast, here in the, in the scripture it says they, they contort their faces so that everybody knows they're fasting. Today, you know, it's the, man, your chips and salsa look really good, but I'm fasting, so thanks for tempting me, but I'm fasting. So I'm sorry, let me, I gotta catch my breath. I'm moving a little slower today. I'm fasting, everybody. I'm hungry. I'm fasting. Just so you know, 
Me and Jesus, it's what I do. Fasting today. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Fasting. Right? And they say, he says, there's your reward. Because everybody said, you're fasting. You must be so holy. Wow. And right there, that's it. He says, no, when you're fasting for the people, he says, wash your face, anoint your head with oil for us. Get up, get dressed, take a shower, and go to the world. Live your life. They don't know that you're fasting. And what your father sees done in secret, he will reward you. Now, I don't know about you, but the reward of the father is the reward I want. Be it here on earth or one day in heaven. It's about the heart. These people received their just reward. But what your father sees done in secret, he will reward. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we, strengthen and, and grow this, this practice, this skill, this lifestyle of seeking first the kingdom of God, pursuing him above all else. As one writer puts it, he says, what do we spend our currency on? Now, when we hear currency, we think money, but really, if you think about your life, you have many currencies, many things that you can spend, your time, your resources, your money being one of those, your home, how do you drive, how do you treat your kids and your wife or your husband, how do you work? What are we spending our time on? Things of this world to be seen and be praised and to keep up with the Joneses and keep moving forward or for the Father? To say, yes, Lord, what is it you would have me to do? To walk into that grocery store, to walk into that place where we find ourselves and to say, Father, what are you doing here and how would you have me be a part of it? Is it a conversation with the teller today? And to linger there just a little bit longer even though I've got somewhere to be? Is it taking that cart and say, God bless you today. Have an amazing day. Let me serve you for a moment. Is it something grander? Because there are those times that God will ask us to give big, right? And there are those times even that God will say, here, I need you in the limelight for a moment. Because in this place, you can bring me glory and be a light unto the world. But more times than not, he asked us to be in the back room praying. And no one ever knows. The faithfulness. You are a light of the world. A seed on the hill cannot be hidden. We don't put a lamp in the room and put a, a basket over it to hide the light. We let it shine. And so as God asks us to do those things and we are faithful, we are pursuing his kingdom, his light can shine within us so brightly that the world no longer sees us, but sees him and is drawn to his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is strengthened and equipped and grown. How honorable 
And humbling is it to know that the King of Kings wants to use you, wants to use me. And promises in his scripture that there are good works that he's created for us to do in Christ Jesus. Wow. Seek first the kingdom of God. And these things will be added to you. Never a prosperity gospel approach. Never to say that everything will be easy and that you're going to be rich or any of those things. Perhaps there is a time that God says you need to better understand what it is to receive charity than to give. So let me put you in this tough moment and surround you with my people. So that when I do call you to go, you're better equipped. We don't know. But we seek first the kingdom of God. We work to nurture those skills, to learn to hear his voice. As as, as scripture tells us, when we take that step of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us as the messenger from the Father to us, as the teacher, the wisdom giver, to open our eyes to understand scripture and to learn to hear his voice amongst the busyness of the day, amongst the chaos of the moment, to hear the voice of the Father as he speaks. It comes from relationship. It comes from listening in the quiet moments to understand. We've all been there in a busy room and we hear our name, right? We go, oh, somebody's looking for me. Or somebody has the same name as me, my wife. They're usually looking for her, okay? But we've learned how we recognize it, right? It's the same thing with the voice of the Father as we pursue the kingdom, we pursue that relationship. I hear you, Lord. Okay. To take those times, to get into those those small groups, that's why the church believes in those because it's in those times that that we are challenged and that we are growing and that we, we experience that fellowship with one another and we iron sharpening iron and we come together and we learn and we grow. And to be here to worship together corporately and to have the word proclaimed. But this is not where it stops. This is where it begins. Because we go forward from here meditating on scripture. Saying, Father, take this now, what has been proclaimed and, 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 and marinated into my own life. And encourage me and teach me and help me to grow. Why do we do the scripture memories? Not just to say that we're a church that memorizes scripture, but because as we hide these words in our hearts, they are there and they are affecting who we are. And that one day when we are are there faced with something and God says, remember this? Remember this scripture you hid in your heart 10 years ago? And it brings just the encouragement and the direction that we need. And so these practices of spiritual disciplines helping us to better learn to seek first the kingdom of God and to grow and for our hearts to be His. Why was the widow's gift so powerful? Because her heart was His. The gift was a result of that. In Isaiah 29, God puts this charge against Israel. He says, You Worship me and honor me with your mouth and your lips. But your hearts are far from me. Your fear of me is a commandment of man. Church, may our worship 
May our pursuit of the kingdom never be heartless. But may it be heart-filled as we give ourselves to the King of Kings and we pursue His kingdom with all that we have and all that we are. And may we better learn how to do it every day in the little things. Faithful with little to be faithful with much as the Father provides opportunity for us. Will it cost us something? It often does. Time, money, resources, relationships. But I can't think of a better day than to one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. The heart. To seek first kingdom of God.